1820, England talked about one thing and one thing only, the trial that King George IV kickstarted in an attempt to divorce and dethrone his wife, Queen Caroline of Brunswick. The feuding royal couple had hated each other for decades at this point, but this courtroom drama took their nightmare marriage to a whole other level. King and queen traded barbs, burns, and very spicy accusations about each other's bedroom lives. The trial captivated the nation, and then its shocking ending caused jaws across Britain to drop. Hello and welcome to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factonade.com. I'm Dancy. And I'm Veronica. And this season of the show is all about historical true crime. We are exploring history's dark side through courtroom dramas, executions, disappearances, mysterious deaths, and much, much more. This week, we're talking about Queen Caroline of Brunswick and her central role in the trial that set Regency England on fire. I think this is not that well-known of a trial, Mm-mm. but oh my God, it's such a good story. It's absolutely insane. So the first thing we have to talk about is the chaotic evil of Caroline's marriage to King George IV of England. George was hugely in debt because he was a playboy. He was a gambler. He was a profligate. He was a huge mess. And he fully married Caroline for her money. We know this because, um, A, Parliament basically forced him to marry her because they were like, yeah, you're so in debt. We need a cash injection ASAP, my man. And uh, B, Caroline was not an ideal bride. She was 26. So Regency crone. (laughs) She was also um, hounded by rumors that she'd secretly given birth to a love child the year before their engagement. And, um, oh, oh, yeah, this tiny little footnote. George was already married to another woman, Maria Fitzherbert, (laughs) his mistress, who he secretly wed in 1785. Oh, my God. So, yeah. We should maybe note here that although he was married, it was a morganatic marriage. It was like they were of two disparate classes. And so Mm. the government would never actually recognize it. So yes, he was married to her, but it didn't prevent him from legally marrying Caroline. But still, I mean, I think we can agree that this is a crumbling foundation. Uh, yeah. So in 1795, George and his cash cow meet. It is hate at first sight. Mm. (laughs) And I really mean that literally. So George saw Caroline. His eyes fall. He keeps it together long enough to greet her. But then he effectively runs away and goes up to his manservant. And he's like, I need a jumbo glass of brandy because, wow, I am not into this woman I am marrying. And he just like gets turned from then on. (laughs) That's a historical fact that he greets her and then immediately is like, I'll need not a double, but a triple, my man. Bartender. Caroline, to be fair, was also unimpressed with her new fiancé. She said, quote, he is very fat and not nearly as handsome as his portrait. (laughs) This is like Regency Problems 101, getting catfished by flattering paintings of your (laughs) bow. But, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. She needs him for his clout. And she's, as we established, Regency hag. She needs a husband. She's getting old, old, old. He needs her for money. So three days later, after this disastrous meet ugly... They get married. Great idea, guys. George went to his wedding, and this is a quote from his friend, like he was going to his execution. Oh. (laughs) 
He spent the day getting really, really drunk. He was actually like dead drunk at the ceremony. And he also spent um, the last three days after meeting Caroline complaining that his new bride smelled terrible. (laughs) Now, normally I think we do a feminist revision like, no, she didn't. He just hated her. But um, no, no, this is corroborated by pretty much everyone who met Caroline. Yeah. When you start researching her, this pops up in several different quarters. (laughs) Yeah, a book I read said she, quote, rarely changed her underwear. This makes me very unhappy. (laughs) But anyway, they do get married. And in the portrait, I highly recommend you look it up. I'll put it on Instagram. Caroline looks fucking mad and everyone looks miserable. (laughs) There is not a smile in that room. This is not a joyous wedding. This is a financial transaction. Yes. Then what happens after a wedding? We have a wedding night, baby. Mm-hmm. So the royal couple does it, but God, they do not like it. George has to conquer his aversion and overcome the disgust of her person. Again, his words. Caroline's comments on the wedding night are effectively, yes, we boned. Then he passed out near the fireplace and I just left him there. <laughs> <laughs> they are really not into each other. Um, and they're very lucky. They're one single night of passion they actually um they never go to bed together after this that's a fact it has the desired effect they have a daughter they have princess charlotte they have an heir they have done their royal duty i feel like this is such incredible luck like they've yes george said they they slept together at most three times yeah like twice on the wedding night and once the morning after yeah and literally like almost exactly nine months after they had a kid so (laughs) that's just (laughs) that's incredible the gods were smiling on this horrible day they came through in this one way nobody wanted these people to touch each other any more than they absolutely had to (laughs) it was divinely ordained that they would bang three times and never again (laughs) amen (laughs) but these are the future king and queen of england so it's not like they can split up i'll actually go into more detail about that later But for now, let's just paint a picture for you with some lowlights from this god-awful marriage. So uh, George sends his mistress to live with his wife. They are enemies, and George refuses to uh, evict the mistress from the wife's house. Which, by the way, this is not his low-down wife. This is just a totally other woman. (laughs) Yeah, this man has a lot of mistresses to the point where I can't even give them all names. I'm sorry. It's too much. This is uh, like a side note, but he also really liked older women. That's like the one thing to recommend him. I believe this mistress uh, was already a grandmother when they started uh, boning. A grandmother? I mean, she was like a Regency grandmother, so I'm sure she was like 36, but you know. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and let's just remind you of his less redeeming qualities. He banned Caroline from going anywhere without his permission. He controlled who she saw. He only let her hang out with boring people. And she is new to this world. She is so devastatingly lonely and sad. Um, However, the worst is yet to come. This is maybe the most incredible historical burn we will ever discuss. Actually, no, Mm -hmm. not even a historical burn. Just like a burn outside of any time period limits. An eternal burn. An eternal flame, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) An eternal burn for a not so eternal flame. (laughs) Literally three days after Caroline gives birth, to the royal heir, Princess Charlotte, George reacts by doing this. He changes his will to leave everything to Maria Fitzherbert, who he calls in the will, my wife. Oh, So, wow, snub on Caroline. But then to twist the knife, 
he leaves Caroline a single shilling. Ooh. It is so much worse than just zero dollars. Like, it is so much worse. Ooh. And that's what makes it so incredible. It's like, no, I didn't forget about you. Here you go. Here's a penny. XOXO. Your actual <laughs> husband to the woman who has just... Just given birth. Just given birth. Incredible. Like, I can't overstate this. This man, this man is awful. He's so bad. And everyone hated him, too. We'll get into this. But, like, he was not a popular king. Like, no one liked him. And merited. He did not deserve to be popular. <laughs> So in 1796, a year after their wedding, Caroline and George are like, okay, we hate each other. Let's call time and separate. You might be wondering, why don't they just get divorced? Kings have been divorcing their wives since Henry VIII. Here's why. It's PR. It's a PR move. So George's father absolutely forbade them to divorce. He told his son that marriage was not a private arrangement for a king. It was a public act. George's reputation was already trash, as we have established. People really hated him. They knew he was a profligate. They knew he was a disaster. And if he divorced his wife, who, by the way, everyone loved, Caroline was very popular in England, that would just destroy whatever tatters his reputation had left. So he could not divorce her. They decide the best thing we can do right now is separate And even if we're married on paper, we have only that tenuous little link connecting us. We are not spouses. We are not in a relationship and we are never getting back together. (laughs) Ever. As we'll see, though, that's not a solution to their problems. Is it ever not? (laughs) (laughs) And from this point on, almost everything that Caroline does is fodder for this infamous trial that we're leading up to here. And, oh boy, it is some hearty fodder, guys. So Caroline moves into her own private residence and she's known to flirt with just a bunch of men. She has a kind of like coterie of men around her who didn't mind a little stink. (laughs) It was their kink. (laughs) Yeah. Caroline is like kind of an eccentric. I mean, she allegedly sort of harassed her neighbors, would send them kind of like harassing letters for reasons that are unclear to me, except maybe that she just didn't like them. (laughs) She adopted and or fostered a whole bunch of children, including a child named William Austin, put a pin in that name, because after Caroline's been living there for a while, she's been having men over, she's no longer under the lock and key of George. People just see kind of like, yeah, parties going on in her house. She's just living how she wants to live. She's just single and mingling. Yeah, it's the Caroline gets her groove back phase. But one of those neighbors who she was just sending really weird letters to, like obviously had a grudge against her and went to the prime minister and claimed that not only was Caroline entertaining men, she even, this neighbor even said that Caroline confessed to her that she'd gotten pregnant (gasps) and that William Austin, one of those um, children she adopted, was actually her illegitimate child. Now, Caroline is still very much married to Prince George. And so we get right now her first brush with the court of law because the ministers have kind of no choice at this point but to do what they term the delicate investigation to investigate these claims and this is not a super super public investigation again they're like going for delicate guys it's delicate 
but it's not top secret. Like people, <laughs> people kind of find out about it. George actually like leaks a bunch of information from it after a certain point. Fucking George. He couldn't even go by the title of his own investigation, no. sir. No. But yeah, they, they look into her life. They kind of rifle through all of her papers, rifle through all of her contacts. It splits the country even more into Team George or Team Caroline. Although again, most people hate George and are well disposed to Caroline. Yeah, I was going to say splits is generous. It implies 50-50. I think we're going at a 20-80, and that's generous to George. Even Jane Austen got in on the little scuffle. She once wrote, quote, Poor woman, referring to Caroline, I shall support her as long as I can, because she's a woman, and because I hate her husband. (laughs) Now, after all this Sturm und Drang, this delicate investigation finds nothing. Womp womp. Nothing they can prove. They sort of come to the conclusion that, yeah, she flirts with a lot of guys, but we don't have enough concrete proof to go any further with it. That's okay, because George is going to bide his time, and Caroline is going to get more brazen. A lot more brazen. England is now a hostile environment for her. I mean, George restricted her visits to her daughter Charlotte even more. He banned her from parties. So Caroline got the heck out of Dodge and went to the continent. And the continent is seen like as a bit more of a liberal paradise at the time, you know. As a sign of how liberal it was, just like a note that Lord Byron also went to the continent. So, yes, you know, it was a place for fucking. (laughs) So great, right? (laughs) Caroline's like free again. Mm, No, because uh, I just want at this point, I want to be like, Caroline, look, I want you to have fun. Could you just have fun like more secretly? You're kind of in hot water here. You're a little bit in trouble. So she immediately takes up with a hunky, married Italian man by the name of Bartolomeo Pergami. He will be very important. Oh, yeah. This is like dun-dun-dun music cueing. Bartolomeo Pergami is going to almost end Caroline. Now, he's the head of her entourage. They travel and eat everywhere together. And, you know, there's already whispers stirring that they're lovers. And, you know... Even right off the bat, you're like, okay. Like, Pergami traveled with everyone in his family, including his brother, his mother, his daughter, the person who wasn't there, his wife. That's not suspicious at all. Totally normal. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. So were these guys banging? I'm going to say no comment for now. But Caroline actually had a bigger problem coming down the pipes, a much more tragic problem. Disaster strikes when Caroline's daughter, Charlotte, dies in childbirth back in England at the incredibly young age of 21. Even worse, Caroline finds out about this through a random courier because Prince George didn't even bother to tell her while she was away. That's a whole new low. A new low. The bottom has dropped out and we've gone subterranean. It's just awful. And it actually also has really horrific political ramifications for Caroline, because now that she's not the mother of the English heir, she's more vulnerable than ever. And you can bet, especially with all her romping around with Pergami, that George took advantage of this. And one of the spaces he saw in her armor was, okay, now's my turn to try to divorce her. He orders the Milan Commission. There's a delicate investigation, and now he's ramping up with a Milan commission. All his legal attempts sound like Mission Impossible <laughs> subtitles. Like, they're just... Mission Impossible subtitles! I love that! 
Mission, the Milan Commission. <laughs> and the Milan Commission had pretty much the sole purpose of proving that Caroline was getting it on with Pergami. I mean, George is just like a dog with a bone. Now, is he remaining faithful? Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> but Caroline, this is really important to him um, because if he can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that she's committed adultery, it will finally make it easier for him to divorce her. He sends mm-hmm. an envoy slash spy who reports that Pergami and Caroline are, to all appearances, man and wife. But still, no hard evidence. All appearances is not going to cut it, and Caroline refuses to admit anything. She's big no comment on the, the Pergami situation. Now, maybe, yet again, this would drive the royal couple to a stalemate. We've got yet another attempt to prove she's committed adultery and yet again, George has hit a brick wall. But the biggest blow is just around the corner, which is that in 1820, George's father finally dies and he goes from Prince Regent. He was acting as Regent uh, because his father was ill and a lot of people say mad. Mm -hmm. Um, He goes from Prince Regent to King in his own right, making Caroline technically queen. And George doesn't want this. He literally has her name removed from the church liturgy because he he's like, this woman's not becoming Queen of England. Caroline absolutely does want this. And in fact, she crosses back over into England when she hears the news, despite the entire government like having a nervous breakdown about this. Power move. I like it. So this is finally, after years and years of kind of backdoor finagling, pushing everything to a crisis. So George, kind of armed with the recent information he got from the Milan Commission, tries to take her down once and for all. So enter the trial. Here we go, guys. This is the true crime. The Pains and Penalties Bill of 1820 is much more exciting than it sounds. (laughs) On July 5th, the trial begins. Its aim is to investigate serious accusations against theoretical Queen Caroline. And if they are found to hold water, divorce her from George and make sure she never becomes queen. Believe me when I say that the stakes could not be higher. Oh, yeah. And this is an absolute press frenzy. The nation is watching, and I cannot overstate the number of political cartoons, the mobs outside the courthouse, truly a courtroom drama, and all of England is tuning in. But Caroline, she is a smart, smart woman. (laughs) She gets off on the right foot when she collaborates with a professional writer and leaks a letter that she wrote to George, where it's basically just like a manifesto about how shit he is, how he's treating her unjustly. And so this letter, luckily and fortuitously for her, gets out and it cements England is on Caroline's side. And this is a very important thing to keep in mind as I go through the trial. Mm -hmm. It's really necessary that England automatically likes Caroline because the accusations that are going to come out about her I think would sink any other woman because they are fast, they are furious, and they are, for Regency England, incredibly spicy. When I said no comment before, well, commentary comes out. And all these comments are from Caroline's own servants. So that doesn't look good for her. Here we go. Let's go through them. What do these people say? They saw her and Pergami sleeping together constantly. They saw her touching his dong and him touching her nethers. Mm. They took baths together. Mm. 
Hiragami was seen leaving and entering Caroline's room in his underwear. (laughs) We also have some Regency versions of the Bill Clinton trial where there is extended testimony about a stain on Caroline's bedsheets. Yeah. As the trial continues, things go a little kooky. Um, There was this mini sister feud where two sisters gave testimony for opposite sides and they basically just ratted each other out while they were on the stand. (laughs) And it came out that one of them had a secret identity. Oh my gosh, this is a circus. It's a circus. And this is the main stage of the circus. One witness said that Caroline kept a male stripper in her retinue. Lawyers made the witness mimic the strippers (laughs) dancing while he was on the stand. (laughs) Magic Mike XXL and a courtroom drama combine and all my dreams come true and unicorns fly out of my eyes. It's the crossover you did not know you wanted. But you need it. But you need it. <laughs> okay, so now look. Caroline and Pergami were a hundo P banging. I think yeah, we all know Yeah, I this. mean, come on. Come, come on, on, people. Come on. But her defense earned their pay. Caroline hired a superstar lawyer and he made... One prosecution witness after another looked like a fool. So one of them was just reduced to saying, I plead the fifth. And it became like this little catchphrase in England. Another witness admitted on the stand that he had been paid to give (gasps) testimony against Caroline. Amateur hour. Another witness was made to admit that he was a peeping Tom and a pervert. Like, (laughs) legally, he was like, yes, that is me. (laughs) I love this character assassination. It's incredible. Oh, others um, had to admit that they'd definitely seen suggestive things, but they had not seen anything clearly over the line between Caroline and Pergami. Yeah, he was in his underwear, but did I see his dick enter her vagina? No. No one saw P go in V, and that is what (laughs) saves Caroline. (laughs) Oh, oh, and the lawyer brought out a letter from George saying that him and Caroline were separated and Caroline can do whatever she wanted, which is kind of like going against the other stuff where it's like, wait, so she did do it, but it was allowed. Wasn't your defense like she didn't do it? But sure. And a ton of fancy people came to the stand to stump for Caroline. So yeah, her defense did an incredible job. But no one did a better job than Caroline herself because she got in a fucking incredible burn on King George. So at some point during the trial, details are a little hazy. Caroline is asked, Caroline, did you commit adultery? Caroline goes ice cold. The Kill Bill music plays and she says, yeah, yeah, I guess I did commit adultery with the husband of Maria Fitzherbert. I can't deal with this this is incredible fucking amazing however despite all this when all was said and done caroline actually loses her case the court decides there's enough evidence here to suggest that she has been committing adultery she is not suitable to be queen or wife and george can do what he likes for anyone else this would be the end but Mm -hmm. caroline has the nation on her side and people went fucking insane when they heard that Caroline had been found effectively guilty. People just went wild. And she also had lost her case by such a tiny margin that after the court saw the public response, they were like, you know what? We're just going to drop it. Mm -hmm. They did not pursue the charges. They did not pursue the guilty verdict. And Caroline gets away scot-free. If the bonnet doesn't fit, you must acquit. (laughs) That's incredible. (laughs) 
Wow. I have nothing to say. I bow down. (laughs) So just to wrap this up, the public had really sided with Caroline. Their public support had protected her from the law. And I think at the end of the day, this means that we actually have to thank King George for being such a god-awful husband and ruler. So, like, thank thank you, sir. Thank you for your service. Thank you, Mr. Fitzherbert. (laughs) So this was a neck-and-neck nail-biter. And it's finally all over for Caroline. You know, you think, okay, she's going to breathe a sigh of relief. Things are going to finally get back to some kind of normalcy. But as with so many trials, this one just did not give the closure it promised. Because George's coronation is still in the mix. And Caroline is determined to go to it as a sign that she is queen. They didn't take her crown away, right? She is within her rights to become queen. And she's more popular than ever at this point. Because George was so conservative and she was against George, she actually rallied a lot of radicals around her. She just really became a, I'm trying to think what the word is, um, like a figurehead. Yeah, a figurehead, like a rallying cry in a lot of ways for all of the various unhappinesses and grievances. So she's at the height of her powers here. And she's like, no, I'm going to go to Westminster that day. I'm going to show my face. And she does it, and oh my god, is it ill-advised. I've made a huge mistake. She struts up to Westminster, only to be turned away. Because George is no dummy either, and he knows she's going to make an attempt. So he's got his best, most loyal guards at the entrance to turn her away. Does Caroline stop there? No. She then goes to several entrances. First she went to the main one, then she goes to the other side, then she goes to the other side, then she goes to the other side. And she tries multiple times to get in. Every time she's turned away at one entrance, one of the guards even puts a bayonet underneath her chin. Underneath the Queen of England's chin. So humiliating. Just humiliating. Eventually, she leaves in disgrace, and it's a complete turning point because Mm -hmm. the crowds that have gathered for the coronation have seen all this go down, and they now jeer at her. They turn on her. It's so embarrassing that it kind of evaporates any goodwill that she had built up throughout the trial. It's um, the inevitable backlash. You can't Mm -hmm. be the favorite forever. They will turn on you, and they turn on Caroline. It's, it's such a precipitous drop. And the next part is like so tragic and so poetic in the way that it happens. Like, it's like you can't write fiction like this. She leaves in her carriage completely mortified. And that very night, she gets sick with an illness that she never recovers from. She dies very shortly after on August 7th, 1820. And it... Might have been an intestinal obstruction. That's what Dr. Sada was at the time. Modern historians think it was probably some kind of cancer now. Because of how ridiculous that timing is, some people suspected that King George poisoned her, which, though I wouldn't put it past him, is unlikely just given her symptoms. But she certainly was sitting there being like, hmm, this is so convenient. One more screw you. (laughs) My favorite thing about her otherwise very embarrassing, tragic downfall is that Caroline had her tombstone read, quote, Here lies Caroline, the injured Queen of England. 
Mic drop. The layers there. First, I'm the fucking queen of England. You did not get rid of me. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then, and then the injured, like, she's, she's gonna go into death. Just like, her last words are gonna just be one more fuck you to George. <laughs> God levels of pettiness going on here. The shade, the shade of it all. So Caroline, very, very shortly after all this happens, is dead. However, her legacy is not. I think that this trial in particular, even though it isn't as well known, it it has sort of been buried in the sands of time. I don't know why. I cannot figure out why. This trial is so juicy. So juicy, so huge. Like it was everything anyone was talking about. It is like a true crime miniseries. And I think the trial is also so fraught and so full of the legacy of divorce proceedings and morality, and those two things are very tied together, in England. And that legacy is long and storied. I mean, obviously, you've got Henry VIII, who's an OG of this. Mm -hmm. He divorces Catherine of Aragon, and he tries to do it through arguing for the morality, or rather immorality, of marrying your brother's wife, because Catherine had been married to his brother, Prince Arthur, just before. And then, of course, he also had the shortcut of beheading instead of going through any kind of lengthy proceedings. But with George and Caroline in the 19th century, this becomes quite different. You can't just behead someone. You really end up getting a lot of pressure put on propriety, specifically female propriety, Mm -hmm. about proving if a woman was adulterous. How was she adulterous? What happened? But what you're really trying to prove is something that often only the two people having sex see. And so because of that often lacuna, you get the 19th century and a little bit before this too, just putting a huge microscope on everything a woman does and how she does it and is a chaperone there. And then of course, the court of public opinion becomes a really huge thing then because it's like, who do you believe in this? He said, she said. People take sides on who they like more, mm-hmm. who they think is more moral, more proper. And I think this trial encompasses so much of that and so much of that spirit that was coming out in the 18th and 19th century about what it is to be like a moral person, but particularly a moral woman and the consequences on these women if they didn't behave according to those standards. We're so lucky to be women. <laughs> It was great to be a woman back then and right now. <laughs> Our new theme song. <laughs> but yeah, I think that I think that Caroline's story just completely encompasses those things. And it's also just a really juicy freaking story. Watching two really rich people hate on each other is just never not satisfying. Thanks for listening to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you, as always, by Factinate.com. If you want to learn more about Caroline of Brunswick or her messy, messy husband, King George IV, check out our articles on them both. The links are in the show notes. If you want to see Veronica's dumb history memes, they're not dumb, they're great. <laughs> on social media, you can give us a follow on Instagram at Yesterday's News Podcast. We're on Twitter with at Factinate Pod, and then Facebook is facebook.com slash Yesterday's News Pod. We will be back next week for another historical crime to dissect. Until then, don't let the bland textbooks fool you. History was the original true crime documentary.